0: let's roll so this is a user question so this week go to www.venturecapital.fm send us questions user question this is from shopsy i'm sure i'm destroying the name but we'll we'll put it on the screen if you're watching on youtube but he says hey i have a question for the podcast how important do you think it is for a a vc firm to build a brand online presence social media marketing etc Um, And I think they are with a VC fund right now, but oh yeah, they're with Lofty Inc VC, whatever that is. But we're not here to promote Lofty. We're here to answer users questions. So that's why I didn't go further
1: all right well i'm gonna ask you this question how important do you think it is as from like the founder perspective from the founder perspective i think vcs that have podcasts
0: i tend to trust much more and vcs that have podcasts are able to build trust at scale but i think some vcs feel like they're no longer a vc and they're now uh an influencer an influencer and there is critique like from jason kalkanis he did a uh a podcast on this that you know it's just as valuable to actually sit down and meet and help founders one on one um than to be on podcast.
1: Which is a little so like ironic coming from him. I think he
0: feels like there's a trend. So maybe there's a lot of people like biting on his heels and becoming more popular. I'm not sure. And he's like, don't, don't, you don't need to compete with me. <laughs> you know, one of, one of the, one of the best. Little self-serving. Yeah. One of the best memes I ever saw was from the Harmon brothers. Yeah. They talked about, you know, they're an, an ad agency. Yeah. And they said there's, there's like a, there's like two oxes that pull the cart and you have to have both. You have really good content and you have distribution. Yep. And I think the same thing goes with VCs. You have to have a really good brand, but you need a way to amplify that brand. And so, I would argue that depending on the fund, it could be very beneficial to have someone just be the face and be podcasting and building a brand and building a reputation, and then have a team support that that you know it's just part of their marketing budget.
1: Yeah, I think I think the challenge, I think the challenges is, is that entrepreneurs, well, they do pick firms what they really pick is partners. And so I I agree. I think my only pushback there is I think um, every partner within the fund needs to build their own profile, not the fund building a profile. If okay. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then the fund should create like the mechanisms to support each of those partners building out their, their own kind of personal brand. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. And then have it all tie back, of course, to the fund. But yeah, I mean, look, the reality is, is that Capital is becoming more and more fungible. Like, you know, it used to be that nobody would give money to startups because they're too risky, crazy ideas, whatever, right? Um, that's no longer the case. Like, there are billion, tens of billions of dollars raised, you know, all the time. Sometimes, like, a single fund will raise $10 billion plus to invest in startups. Like, there's plenty of money. And so now you need to figure out like new ways of differentiating yourself. Like I would hate to be a venture fund that was like, you know, a handful of middle-aged white dudes, you know, in like some regional market, because I think it's so hard to differentiate if that's your MO, right? Um, And I think more and more like venture funds have to figure out ways in which they can differentiate themselves, whether that's maybe through diversity or through investment sector or investment expertise. Um, maybe it's through thought, thought leadership, whatever it might be. I think the stakes keep getting pushed harder and higher um, to, for differentiation of your capital and why an entrepreneur should take your money versus somebody else's. Because, you know, as Mark Andreessen has said, like there's only a handful of deals that matter every given year. And your job as a VC is to make sure you're in those deals. And so if that means that you need to build a really strong social media, you know, strategy and presence in order to get in front of those entrepreneurs and so be it, right? But I don't think every venture fund has to do that, right? I think there are different ways in which you can build kind of differentiation. And to your point, like Jason Calacanis is saying is like, hey, sometimes it's just as powerful or more powerful. To take those one-on-one meetings and spend your time and energy helping entrepreneurs because that's more authentic and they'll they'll refer other entrepreneurs and so on and so forth right um so you know i think i think both can can be valuable um you know talking out of the other side of my mouth though is like we live in a global economy right and good ideas are kind of everywhere and it's becoming easier and easier to build uh remote teams to execute on those ideas. And those networks are getting just bigger and bigger. And so it's harder to, you know, stay relevant in front of so many entrepreneurs that are out there uh, if you're just taking one on one meetings.
0: Okay. I think so here's to maybe how I would answer this quote this question. If I was like the principal at a fund, yeah. Or the CMO at a fund, I would and if I was at a large fund, I would try to I I think I would create a podcast around each principle, assuming each principle has a certain focus. So maybe one one principle is going after web3, mm-hmm. and another one's going after life sciences, and then I would get a team member who's running in the back, yeah, to be setting up appointments with the top industries and thought leaders in that industry. Yep. And helping them create questions so they could easily do just show up, do a quick, you know, 30 minute hour, you know, one hour podcast. And then you are, it's a great networking opportunity. Yep. I think a lot of good deals could come from it. And then you're also setting your firm up as, Hey, we're more than just money. Yep. And I think it goes both ways, both for, um, raising capital for your next fund extending the brand and extending trust. Cause I think if I had, if someone gave me the same terms and it was Jason Calcanis versus an unknown VC, I would listen to, I would take Jason's money hand or fist. What if his terms were worse? I probably yeah, might still take it. Yeah. But he also, he's got leverage too. Right. But I feel like I trust him. I think the best example of this is David Cancel. I don't know if you know him. So not a VC, mm-hmm. although I'm sure he's done tons of angel investments. He recently, I think, just sold Drift. Yep. Um I, because his podcast was so amazing. And it wasn't, hey, this is the draft podcast I'm going to sell you. It was almost like, hey, here's my founder journey. Yep. That I developed such trust and respect that I bought his product, even though I didn't really need it. Yeah. Just because I wanted to find a way to give back. And I think that's one of the really big values of a podcast. Um, who was the, the Snapchat guy who invested in Snapchat? Do you know who I'm speaking thinking of? Mark, is it Mark Suster? Mark Suster.
1: Did he invest in Snap? I think so.
0: Yeah, he's down in LA. He's yeah. at the L.A. VC. Um, one of the things that he did is he was doing VC tips on exclusively on snapchat. Yep And for me that really kind of solidified him in my brain as someone who like really eats his dog food He invested and then he chose to support that platform versus another platform. Yeah Because I don't think he has his own podcast, but he did that I think
1: He has his own blog his own blog. Yeah Which was kind of one of the more popular VC blogs for a little while, but yeah.
0: So yeah, so I would say I would have, that's how I, I mean, I I think the answer is every principal decision maker, I would try to build an audience around them. Yeah, I think that makes sense. But I would have it limited because it could easily take up 90% of their time. Right, right. And I would have a gatekeeper who would say, who would create rules. Oh, you're going to be, you know, do, do no more than one podcast a week of your own. Yeah. And be no more than a guest of another podcast one time a week.
1: So, what did you think of that guy that claimed he was making 200K a year ghost tweeting for VCs?
0: Um, I think, and again, this comes from Jason Calcanis, right? So, maybe this shows the value of Jason's podcast is that, (laughs) you know, VCs who need the reach are willing to pay that
1: much for it. Yeah. But does it like diminish? So, you've talked a lot about trust, right? Like Mm -hmm. these podcasts, et cetera, like this content, like, develops trust, it also creates like a little bit of an imbalance in relationship that makes you feel inclined to give back um, and to re-equalize that that, that relationship. Um, but it, does it diminish it knowing that there's some likelihood that that VC that you thought was like so insightful or really funny or like, you know, really trustworthy didn't actually post that stuff. They paid somebody else like 10 grand to do it for them.
0: Um. So the answer for me is no, because the VCs I trust are the ones that I hear firsthand on podcasts. Okay. So I would look at... But you're not really on Twitter. Well, yeah, I'm not really on Twitter. But like at that point, if Jason Calcanis is a ghostwriter, yeah. at that point, I feel like it would just be an extension of him. The, the truth yeah. is most of these like Forbes contributors and whatnot don't write any of their own content. And they probably never even see their own posts. Yeah. And so the further you get in the game, like I remember when I was in college, uh, people talk about being a Forbes contributor. And I'm like, yeah. oh my gosh, this is so amazing. And now I'm in the space. I'm like, I know these guys don't write any of their own content. And even if they did, there's like a zillion of them. Or like they sit down with someone that are like, hey, here's two or three th- thoughts and it's done, right? It's not like, hey, here's high quality, amazing content. And so podcasts are unique because of the trust factor. But this Twitter thing, like, you know, I don't know. I mean, if if someone if, if someone got you 10,000 followers a, a month for 10 grand, yeah, is it worth it? Is it worth it to UGF?
1: I don't know. I mean, for us, we're like a little bit different. Um, and it would depend on the quality of those 10,000 followers, right? If it's like 10,000 followers from like China that will like are totally irrelevant to what we do, then mm-hmm. no, right? Like, <laughs> but like, but if there are 10,000 like entrepreneurs founding businesses that we want to invest in and they're excited about our content, then yeah, like that look, probably is worth it, like, right? Let's look at Austin already. Do you know him? Uh
0: huh. You know, the, the, Im- the, Im- his content I think is phenomenal and uh-huh. I, it's allowed him to get Ashton, Ashton Kutcher as an investor in his fund mm-hmm. it's allowed him to get the attention of Elon Musk mm-hmm. and let's say I'm, I assume he writes his own stuff but if it doesn't there's a in his case there's a very strong ROI Yeah, that supports it I would like to think that a lot of these guys write their own stuff but in truth is any really good founder has an amazing team part of them whether it's public or not public sure and I think that's probably why you're seeing more, more go to podcast or YouTube or whatnot, because you can actually then see the authenticity, not just like, you know, a random tweet that comes out, you know, yeah. once a week. Because I think your article talked about someone, you know, getting two to four tweets a week. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, and it's, you know, it's like they talk in nature. It's, um, uh, what do they call it? It's like an unfakeable tell, right? Where it's like, if you're doing the podcast, you're not, it's not getting ghost right um, although some of the because ai it's really hard have you seen some of the ai out there yeah on video stuff yeah
0: i was in lisbon the year before covid and they could take who is it that famous soccer player they could they they, they could show their like choose a language and it was the same scene but the lips just move slightly different yeah and it's like the soccer player knows spanish they know french they know german
1: yeah so maybe it's not going
0: to be an unfakeable tell <laughs> and have you seen the the tom cruise deep fakes on tiktok yeah like they're getting pretty good
1: yeah they're there it's only a matter of time before like nobody does anything we just have ai do it all for us Give it five years
0: ai you know we're hollywood is nothing more than an ai engine and who needs actors they can create actors maybe probably not i was just
1: gonna like sit on our couch with an iv plugged in for nutrition and like drone out in front of uh, ai driven ai created uh but at that point you could
0: have an infinite number of movies catered specifically for your interests
1: I mean, isn't that kind of like what Netflix does today? You Not go on, on Netflix, but it's getting that way. You know what I mean? Like you go yeah. on Netflix and you're like, I want to watch action films. And all of a sudden, like you see like all these like no name, super crappy action films, but they, they made them knowing that like they would appeal just to you. Yep, yeah, but I don't watch that. I've got a rule. If it for the most part, unless it's a political
0: movie, it's got to be like an 89 or higher.
1: Yeah. Or I skip it. Yeah, but sometimes it'll be like 89 and it will be a Netflix produced film. And you might actually even like it, but you're like, you know, this like small subset of people that like it. Maybe.
0: I don't know. That's how I look at most films is, does it have, is it an amazing film? But the
1: 89%, you know, that's, that's a rating for you, right? It's not a rating like overall. But well, I'm not logged in though. Are you logged in? How are you like watching stuff and you're not logged in? No, 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 no.
0: You're talking about the Netflix rating, right? Oh, you're talking about like Rotten Tomatoes yeah, so or anytime something. Anytime I go to watch something, open up a new tab. Yeah. Google Rotten Tomatoes.
1: You go to Rotten Tomatoes. Okay?
0: Yeah, I don't I miss tr- that. I don't, I don't trust that I don't trust the Netflix score. Fair enough. What I like is like who's or these others who bring in the Rotten Tomato score.
1: Got it. Got it. Okay.
0: So that's that's my rule. So I hope we answered his question on um what vc should <laughs> the short
1: answer is probably
0: yes i would say probably but it's easy for it to get out of hand
1: yeah and i don't think it's like 100 percent crucial mm. okay yeah what but you, you definitely have to have some angle
0: what if you had a partner at your fund who only did podcasts they did podcasting interviews 60 percent of their time
1: i don't care what i care about is like are they driving really good deals back mm. to the fund do you think that would drive really good deals if they're able to demonstrate that it does, then sure. What do you think? Why you could you could get you guys even talk like if about, I had to choose, like, would I invest in investing in a podcast, like my time, sixty percent of the time, into well, you're, doing a podcast? You're investing
0: your time, but what about investing and bringing other people in? Like, what about hiring a third person at UGF whose full job was like social? Fifty percent of their time is to create brand awareness.
1: I mean, there are a lot of funds that have done that. A lot of funds.
0: Okay, so if UJF did it in this theoretical world, you think it would be positive ROI?
1: I think it could be if done right. I think it's a big if, though. Okay, so
0: what's your personal thesis on podcasting? Because you've got this podcast, you've got your personal YouTube channel.
1: Um, look, I think podcasting is valuable. Um, I think to your point, it provides kind of like an insight into how VCs think. Hopefully, like our listeners are getting some value out of like the stuff we talk about and that it's helpful to them, and that they get to know us a little bit better, right? And feel more comfortable uh, building relationships with us. Um, I know, like, you've been reached out to from people that listen to our podcast, I have as well. Uh, it's, and it's fun listening, hearing from them, and, uh, you know, hearing the things that they appreciate, uh, the feedback that they they have for us, uh, I think it's great. And then, you know, a lot of them are seeking to create relationships and and explore different opportunities together. So yeah, I think, I think there's a lot of value. Um, Sometimes I worry that there's a lot of podcasts out there and that you're effectively begging people for uh, snippets of super valuable time to listen to those podcasts. Um, But the flip side is like, look, there's what, like 7 billion people and You know, each one of those individuals are going to have slightly different interests and preferences from others. And so what's really cool is that it used to be that distribution was super hard. And so everybody kind of got like spoon fed the same stuff. Mm -hmm. And now with the internet, you really can like tap into these like really niche groups and, and give them like content that they're really excited about. Uh, that just simply wasn't possible even you know five ten years ago okay so you know i don't know it's interesting
0: what's the chance that your um next investment will come and listen to the your prior three podcasts
1: probably pretty low okay. but you know potentially as we get bigger okay I'll have to watch what we say more <laughs> you got to make me stop looking like such a bad bad vc and evil vc
0: no i think people do i just want to get under the layers so I'm not you just want
1: controversy. Contro- no, I think, stoke the controversy.
0: I think in our in our world, we're too concerned about being polished. And in yeah. part of it, is that myself, I don't feel like I've got a good filter. Yeah. When I was trying to raise my first time, every VC is like, "You're just too honest." Yeah. And they're like, "John, have you done this? Have you squished the x-axis? It would look better." And like, why? I give you perfect data, a screenshot from Google Analytics. We doubled month over month for the last three or four months, but you want me to re, you know, like to change it. So it's all about being authentic, but in a way that like gets people excited. I I mean, you got to sell it, but these are questions that frankly, I want to know. And others, other people want to know. Yeah, it's fair. All right. Well, that's all for this podcast. Go to www.venturecapital.fm. And you can subscribe to all of our socials, YouTube, Spotify, Apple podcast, all of the links are there. So we will see you on the next episode. Thanks guys.
1: Thanks.